It's such good shit. So, such good shitters. What do you want to talk about? I don't want you to use Cody Rhodes' thing because I don't like it when he does it. So I certainly don't like it when you do it. Yeah, it's mm. really cringy. It it doesn't come across the way you want it to. I, I don't think that his... I, I know his intentions are good. He wants like a little catchphrase, but it's really bad. Yeah, I think the way Matt just did it was way better than any of the times Cody's done it. It was fine the first time he did it when we didn't know what that was. But now that he's doing it every week, it's like, uh, okay. It's the way that he's saying it is like, oh, I have to say this because, you know, the man's going to make me. It's like, Cody, we know nobody's telling you what to do. Like, Vince isn't there anymore. Like, you can't do it like this is, oh, I'm forced to say my catchphrases because we know he can say whatever he wants. So it just comes across like he's trying to be funny about like, oh, God, I got to say it again. It's like, no, you don't. Just stop fucking doing it. See, I didn't take it that way. I take it as, hey, hey, you're smarks. And and I know what you're thinking. And I'm going to talk about the things that you want me to talk about that aren't in the script. Huh? That's how I take it. Which is why it's cringy. That's how I took it when he first started doing it. But now it seems like he's just saying it as like, oh, this is my catchphrase. Guy, do you guys remember my catchphrase? It's like, fucking shut up, dude. He's such a dork. Here's the thing about Cody Rhodes, okay? He's comes out in a three-piece suit that presumably costs thousands of dollars with his terrible bleached hair, and he talks with a lisp, and he's just so fake. Everything about him is fake. From his bleached hair to his fucking stupid ass fake baby face gimmick it's all fake so i disagree i think he's completely genuine the problem is he's a genuine rich guy who made it to the top but still wants to act like oh i'm still struggling to climb the ladder woe is me bro no one's been woeing you since like in 2018 like, Didn't he get signed when he was 19 years old? Yeah. It's not exactly the uh, hardest road anyone's had to, to the top. I, no, oh, okay. Look, he had a relatively hard climb in the early days in WWE. But once he left and, and hit the indies and learned how to make it on his own and then obviously did the whole AEW thing, you're not struggling anymore. You might have been working hard. I'm not disagreeing that he's busted his ass the last five, six years, whatever it's been. But like, you're not your dad. His whole thing was he was the common man working hard with his hands. You're not that guy, right? So don't be that. And I don't know that he's trying to be that, but I feel like that's what's being projected on him. That's what he should be. And he's he's not. And I got to say, you know, whether or not you've had a hard road to the top or you're born on third base really is irrelevant to the conversation of like what's entertaining for a pro wrestler. It's just the fact that it doesn't make for good TV to like 
make that your story, I guess. I just want to clarify that point. Like, whether or not he's had a hard time, I don't really give a shit. It's just not compelling. To me. Maybe some of the kids like it. I don't know. Yeah, the other thing is he smiles too much. And I know that that's a WWE thing. The baby face has got to smile a lot. Remember when Finn Balor had to smile all the time and he would do it obnoxiously? Because they were like, Finn, you got to smile. It's just a thing that they make baby faces do, and it's a little annoying because it, nope. It's almost like because he doesn't take shit seriously. Like, is he going to smile on the way down to the ring at WrestleMania and not be like, oh, this is a big fight? Like, shouldn't he come out like intense? Like, Kevin Owens, ne- have you, when's the last time you've seen Kevin Owens smile? He comes out like he's ready to fight people because that's what he's doing. It's super weird when baby faces smile like they're having a good time, like they're going to a party and they're literally going to beat somebody's ass. Even Cena, who's the smiling baby face, doesn't come out smiling. He comes out with intensity on his face. He comes running to the ring. He's right. He always says it to the mic. Let's go to work. Right. He's in there to do a thing. Afterwards, he smiles and that's fine and dandy, but he doesn't do it on the way. And, you know, in the beginning of the match. I gotta say, it's funny that you brought up Cena because Cody Rhodes does feel like a blonde, tan, shrunken Cena. Like something about the way he's being presented right now, and he's in fantastic shape and all that. He just feels very like Cena y ripoff. Well, this is what happens every time they pick their next guy. He's very, it's the John Cena mold. Which is funny because the John Cena mold came out of it's the least successful mold they've had for a top guy. And yet it is like the playbook now. Mm-hmm. Like what happened to the Stone Cold Steve Austin mold or the rock mold? Why are we picking the most or like the least effective top guy character we've had? As Even like Lesnar. The blueprint? As short term as Lesnar's run was he initially came across as a fucking genuine badass. And I don't know why they just really go for the Cena gimmick. I guess it's because Cena just made so much fucking merchandising money. That's not something that a lot of the other guys did except for like Austin. Oh, that's the thing is Cena did make a lot of money, but he didn't make nearly as much money as the guys before him. That's where I'm getting at with the, you're picking the least successful formula and making that the blueprint. Like, it just is weird that you wouldn't try to find the next Steve Austin. Like, why would, you know, given the history you've had, why would you pick, let's find the next John Cena, or let's make a guy act like John Cena? I don't know. It's all shit. Uh, Speaking of, let's uh, bring back a segment that we haven't done in quite some time. Uh, good shit or drizzling shits uh, where we bring up things that have happened in wrestling recently and decide as a group, is it such good shit or the drizzling shits? Uh, First up, let's uh, go to everybody's favorite MJF. Uh, MJF had his rebar mitzvah ceremony this past week on dynamite. And let me tell you, (laughs) the buildup was fucking great. I loved the actual pictures from his, WWE themed 2009 bar mitzvah was fucking amazing. Um, They really leaned into it. And then, you know, we start the ceremony and 
he starts cutting a promo and he immediately gets interrupted by Jungle Boy and then uh, Sammy Guevara and then uh, Darby Allen. And we're basically setting up some sort of either fatal four way or so I, I we're setting up something where he's going to be defending against all of them or each one of them separate or something. I don't, I don't know, but I thought everything was very well done. I thought the promos, everybody came out looking better than they went in to the segment, which is the hallmark of a well done segment. So I might surprise you guys with my take here. Um, while I was thoroughly entertained by MJF as I always am, I'm going to give this a drizzling shits. And here's why. I felt like, to the contrary of what Matt just said, that Sammy Guevara specifically and Jungle Boy specifically felt not even close to MJF's level. So I don't want to say that they felt exposed, but... You know, I I think the pop that Darby got and how well Darby did on the mic sort of reinforced the gap for me for those other two guys. Sure. Darby did overshadow the other two. It would have been better if it was just Darby there, I think. I think that would have been the move is to just have Darby Allen come out and and work those two. I could see that. And the whole four pillars thing is just so forced. I mean, it is the most WWE thing that AEW's done. It's like, just, you know, ram this down our throats. It's like, these are our four pillars. Like, well, okay, not really. Right. Not even close. Which, which the best comparison for WWE would be the four horsewomen, which that started as the fans doing it. That wasn't WWE. It caught on eventually. WWE realized it and made it their own thing, too. But that started organically, and this obviously did not yeah i got to agree with alec i don't think i would say that this is the drizzling shits but i definitely noticed that sammy guevara and jack perry were not holding their own by comparison i still think they came out looking better but they also came out looking like they got a long way to go at being at that level um and I was also really surprised by Darby Allen. He's really got all the tools except for the fact that he's the same size as me and I have no business being a pro wrestler. So that's always going to hurt him. But the fact that he's got the skills that he has in the ring and on the mic, you know, I would still be definitely interested in a match with him and MJF. I would never expect him to win it, but that's fine. You can still make an entertaining program out of that. The other two, though, I don't feel like are ready and I don't, I, I guess I would be interested cause I do like at least I like Jack Perry, but ugh, I don't, I don't want to see them get washed up by, you know, sailing under MJF. They're just not ready for that spot. And the real question is who is ready to like, go toe-to-toe on the mic with MJF. There's not many guys. Um, But with that being said, I felt like the chasm between him and and Jungle Boy and and Sammy Guevara was pretty big. Right? Like, the quips back were so brutal to those guys. 
Like they, they just felt very buried where Darby Allen felt like, okay, he hung in there and it, it's, you know, no one's going to expect Darby Allen to be like a wizard on the mic, but he, he did enough good, good white meat, uh, baby face promo. That's the thing is I feel like right now, MJF, he got his program with Brian. Brian's gone for now. He really should be fighting some of the other veterans. He shouldn't be fighting young guys right now. I can see him having matches like they were doing before uh, where he fights. I think he, he fought Ricky Starks, correct? That was like his first title defense. That's fine to do that for random TV matches if you want to get him some some time to just beat somebody and look good in between his major defenses. But his defenses should be against guys like Hangman, Omega, Moxley, Jericho, your guys that are established, that are good, that feel like a legitimate threat to MJF. The problem is he's either beaten all those guys recently or they're tangled up in stupid trios matches. So there's just not a lot of top guys for him to wrestle right now. I mean, we've been talking about this for a while. There's nobody at MJF's level on the AEW roster currently. Like there's with the Brian Danielson thing done and over, it's tough to see what they do next where you feel like there's any chance he loses the belt. Right. Cause who do you, who does he feud with? That's a valid threat. And I guess the answer is Kenny Omega, but it's like, is Omega mm-hmm. over enough as a baby face to where MJF just isn't going to get cheered? Kind of have my doubts. We talked about this before. It's a W they can switch people on a dime. They can make it happen. They need CM Punk to come back. That's that's the at this the next point for MJF. Yeah. yeah. CM Punk could do a summer's long program with him, and that buys AEW a ton of time to build somebody up to get into that spot after Punk is done. Without that, they really don't have anybody. And even the guys that I listed out before don't feel like it makes any sense for them to suddenly slot themselves into the title picture other than the fact that we all like them. Where and is Miro? Good. Is he just Awaiting done? creative? <laughs> He's in catering. He was like the one guy I felt like was hitting his stride leave coming from WWE to AEW. Everyone else has really felt like kind of a step down from where they were at with WWE, except for him. And I mean, now it's been years since he was relevant, but you know what I mean? When he had that undefeated streak and he was the TNT champion, it did feel like he was ready to go for Omega or Moxley or whoever the top guy was at the time. My sources told me that Miro's thing is that all his creative is just that he's going to lose and he doesn't want to lose. And he shouldn't lose because nobody on the roster can beat him. Sometimes if you don't look like you should be beat, then you shouldn't be beat. I think I'm, I'm all about guys needing to know when to do the job, but given where Miro is at, it seems like they're having him do the job because they don't know what to do with him. So if they don't know what to do with him, then he doesn't need to be there. Because he, he is a star, and he he's can a go bigger star else. than most of the people on that roster. I mean, how many of those guys have had ninety thousand people chanting their name at a WrestleMania? 
They mm-hmm. just don't have guys like that. And you can say what you want about the freaking Young Bucks. I I would be surprised if you could get 90,000 people to chant for them all at once. No, we all thought it was a miracle that they got 10,000 to do that. So, kind of answers your question. And I know we're a far cry from Rusev Day at this point, but, I mean, I still think Mirror has got some significant star power. I mean, he was on Total Divas at one point. More people watched that than AEW. Look, honestly, the only way Miro is going to be over uh, the way that he was is when he goes back to WWE and gets pushed. It's going to be so major. Holy shit, it's going to be awesome. Could you imagine a Rusev-Gunter match? I'm going to look up when his contract is up. I mean, I think he would be a great opponent for Cody right out of the gate. Yeah. Monster heel. Rusev... Look, we've been in on Rusev since... Pretty much day one. He was one of the few foreign heel adversaries that they brought in for Cena where I actually was like, yeah, this is pretty good. This guy's the WrestleMania match with him and Cena was so big and fucking Rusev drives him on a fucking tank. Oh, my God. It was so good. And we all thought and it was one of those days where like we pretty much figured Cena was going to win because Rusev had had the belt for a little bit and it, it made sense. But it was like, hmm, I don't know. You know, they could pull that trigger. And even though they didn't, it didn't hurt Rusev, really. No, I mean, <sighs> Rusev is such a rare athlete. Like, they just don't make guys that size that move and work the way he does. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not Brock Lesnar. He's not Bobby Lashley. But he is a unique specimen like those guys, right? Like, he is often a different category from everyone else that's roaming the wrestling locker rooms. Dude, Rusev and Solo Sokoa matches? That'd be fun. That's well, a lot of barefoot beef hitting each other. You're a Solo Sokoa guy. Okay. Alright, so I guess the ruling here is, eh, shit, meh. They did well for what they were, you know. It's good. MJF was there. Okay. Miro's contract doesn't expire until early 2026. Oh, fuck. So hopefully they release him if there's really backstage drama there. There's always Japan. Um, All right, so let's move on to SmackDown. Uh, We finally got the reunion of Sumi Zayn and Kevin Owens. This was a multi-segment thing that happened throughout the show. Uh, so let's just kind of look at the overall thing that happened. Uh, I I gotta say it's such good shit. Um, I'm not nostalgic for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, which the, the WWE tried to really push. Like, oh, aren't you nostalgic to see the two of them together? No, I'm fucking not. But I'd rather the two of them be buddy-buddy and working together again than be weirdly against each other. If we're not going to get them in a blood feud against each other again, just put them together. Um, the The other thing we have to talk about is the Cody involvement. Uh, very memeable, especially at the very end where he was watching on the TV, feeling all smug about himself because he did did all the work. 
And I'm sure you guys have seen the meme going around where uh, it's Cody watching the TV and it's from The Simpsons. And it was like, you didn't do anything, didn't I? Yeah, I. I like the segment. Uh, happy that they are going ahead and putting them together now. I would have been fine with the hug happening at WrestleMania, but it's fine that they're doing it now. Uh, however they want to tell the story is fine. I thought it went really well. Cody's involvement makes sense. It's just their execution of that part is just really bad. They're always so fucking bad about their execution when it comes to that kind of stuff. It seems like everything they do with Cody, they're just so concerned about the way that he looks that they they overdo it and he looks worse than he should. It's not hard to make this work well. You could have had the exact same thing happen where Cody does it in the backstage segments instead of bringing everybody out to the ring, which is just super odd that he would do it that way, and then cutting to him watching the TV monitor. It's like, you don't have to do that. Just have him reference it in a promo later that he was glad to see it or have him have him like going to the parking lot or something in a backstage interview. You can pre-record the thing and then post it like on YouTube after they're like, well, we caught up with Cody after SmackDown. Cody, did you see what happened out there? And he's like, yeah, this is fantastic. My plan is going to work. Roman's going to have no followers, whatever. And it would have made him look so much less weird. Just the way that WWE does things is so fucking unnatural. I almost wish they would have leaned into the corniness and have Cody like turn to the the camera and kind of give a thumbs up like, eh? like if you're going to do stupid shit like that, either fucking lean way into it to the absurd or like you said, find one of the thousands of other avenues to accomplish the exact same goal. That wouldn't be so stupid. Yeah, the Cody piece of this is really so I'm sure y'all have noticed that since Cody's come back from his injury, since they decided he's going to be the guy, it's like everything has changed with this presentation. Everything feels so much more meticulous and overproduced. Yeah, in a way that's it's like everything changed. And it's very noticeable, and it's just hard to... Uh, you know may, what I think it is? It gives me the chills. He wasn't around enough in the beginning to establish all that, right? He was only there for, what, a month and a half before he got taken out? So I think this would have naturally happened over time as he got more comfortable being there, and they got more comfortable with production and, and this and that, whatever, with him. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily like a conscious... Uh, change to his presentation. I think it, I think it would have happened anyway, but because he was gone and it's all of a sudden happening, Man, it's more it, noticeable. It really does feel like, all right, here's top guy presentation now. Like they have, you know, it's like roster presentation. And it's like, all right, then there's like Roman and Cody presentation. Let's turn on the pizzazz. That's just my my gut feeling. But in terms of the actual segment, I mean, look, if this is the story that WWE wants to tell, which apparently it is. They did a good job with it, given the decision to do the hug now 
to like go down this path of having this stupid tag team match. Like if this is what you want to do, this is about the best way you could have done it other than the Cody bit. So I don't, I don't know. I, I guess it's thumbs up. I, it's one of those things where it's hard to watch Sammy at this point and not like think about Montreal even still all this time later. So what's our final tally here? Good shit. Drizzling shits. I think overall good shit. Alec kind of just gave the wave of eh shit. Yeah. O- overall it's, it's good shit. Uh, let's transition to the other Cody thing uh, on Monday on raw. Cody and Roman had a face-to-face promo again. This one felt a little different. This one felt a little more personal and a little more. Here's why we're having this match. It's not because I won the Royal Rumble and I'm facing you, right? The first few weeks of this kind of felt like that, kind of a superficial. I've never talked to Roman before, but I respect the guy. And we're going to have a banger of a match. And now it's like, motherfucker, you fucking pissed me off and I got to beat you. And I feel like for as much hate as some people have thrown, even us, onto this match, into this feud, I feel like when you sit back and look at it from Rumble to now, they've done a good job of building it up. And every week, the stakes get a little bit I want to say higher because they're already as high as they can be. It's WrestleMania's main event for the title, but there's more emotion behind it. And there's more, it feels like a legitimate feud versus just, Oh, we're doing this because it's the thing for WrestleMania. If this is the story that they want to tell, they're doing it in the best way. I think you can tell it like they are doing a good job telling the Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns story in a vacuum, there's obviously a lot of other context to this other than just what you see on TV, though, right? There's the Sami Zayn context. There's the three and a half year title reign context. There's a lot of other factors. But if this is the story they want to tell, I think they're doing a good job. And they're it is entertaining in a vacuum. See, this is the first promo that I feel like Cody cut on the Roman match that felt more authentic and less overly polished like we were talking about everything that he's been doing is I mean he made it entertaining Um, he made himself sound like he was ready for a fight It, it just didn't feel like all happy smiles like I'm just trying to finish my story he kind of referenced like I'm tired of hearing people talk about my father. Like, let's just stop doing that. Uh, He called Roman boy, which is fucking hilarious. Uh, He didn't call it like directly, but he referred to him that way. I thought that it was really good. I I felt like he he definitely sold the like, I'm ready to kick your ass kind of feeling. And he needed that. He needed a little bit of not the edge like how some you know in wwe somebody will say like bitch at the end of a promo to give themselves a little bit of edge and everybody goes oh this is more like he said some real shit that sounded like things were gonna get heated and he did need that because 
when you look at the Cody presentation, the suits and the, you know, overly punctual way of talking, he doesn't come off as a tough guy, really. So, you know, as a baby face, he does need a little bit of edge, I guess. Even though, Andrew, you said that's maybe not the term you would use to describe it, but he needs something to harden him a little bit. Or, you know, am I the only one who looks at this and is like, uh, part of me is like rooting for Roman Reigns. It's like Roman Reigns is going to show you what's up. You can't just stroll in here and just take the heavyweight championship of the world, guy. Like, he's in God mode, bro. Like, what are you thinking? I'm fully enjoying the Roman Reigns tribal chief story. I have been for quite some time. He's in God mode. Other than wanting Sammy to dethrone him because I felt that was the thing to do. At this point, since that didn't happen and it's not going to happen, fucking let this bitch ride out. Uh, I feel like we're going to have that. I feel like Roman's going to retain and we're going to ride this out to SummerSlam. And perhaps a more logical conclusion is going to happen than Cody. I am mad that Cody hasn't tried to sell this match as like WWE was so sick of you and you you want to be a part-timer now, you don't show up to work anymore, that they went and poached me for millions because they know I'm going to be able to smack you around. I'm going to smack some fucking sense into you. That would have been a good story. Yeah. I just think that that's like a, a good pitch for what, what I'm here. They handpicked me to take care of you because you're a problem now. That would be that's the kind of blurring the lines thing that like Phil Brooks does or MJF does not Cody Rhodes. Like I love Cody. He's been one of my favorites for a long time and he does so many things. Well, I just don't know if he could have sold that Andrew, but it would have been awesome if that is like the, <laughs> what they decided to do. No, he can't. But that's why if, you know, if they had gotten punk to come back after the fucking all out shit, that's what the story would have been. Yeah. Punk would have been able to do the, the NWO lethal injection angle where it's like, you know, they paid me millions of dollars after suing me because I'm the only one who can beat your ass. Right. It's just not it's not Cody's who could do. Let's game plan this a little bit. If Roman wins, who could potentially steal Andrew's, you know, deal with the devil gimmick to come in and dethrone Roman? It would have been Les Lesnar, The Rock, Cena, but they've used everybody but The Rock. I don't I know. I don't I don't think The Rock or Cena can can sell that angle. That's not their Is style. It somebody that comes back, or can it be somebody that's there now? I feel like it has to be a someone who's not there now. Boy, the problem is at this Goldberg. point. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a free agent now. So <laughs> no, but they, My, they could they could they could bring millions of dollars to come back for another one. John Moxley, that's the one. If you were gonna do that, wow. Angle. If you, yes. That would be phenomenal. It's like they're so desperate. They brought me in and I'm unstable guy. That would be nuts. Um, other than that, I mean, it had to be punk. It'd be Moxley. Who? 
yeah, who else do you bring back? Who else is <laughs> who's blacklisted? <laughs> right? Because that's what it's got to be. It's got to be somebody that's basically blackballed from WWE that we're just like, there's no way. Yeah. The deal with the devil angle is now my new favorite way to beat Roman Andrew. So good job on bringing that up. Could Kenny Omega? I mean, what if we wait till the bidding war of 2024? I mean, I mean, is if that's if that was the story, if we all very patiently wait until 2024, it will be MJF. I will accept. Oh, I know who it is. It would be like they brought in Conor McGregor. It'd be something like that. Ugh, no, no, uh, uh. I don't know, man. I feel like (laughs) that's not going to happen, but I feel like that would be like the kind of person you'd have to bring in to to really sell that. uh. What if it's Dan O'Brien? He's seemingly wrapped with AEW. I'm pretty sure it's just to stay home, but let's say he, his contract's coming to an end and it's just, he's just done there. He goes back for one more run at the E. Think about it. It goes almost full circle. One of his first victims at WrestleMania 37 was Dana Bryan when he pinned Dana Bryan and Edge. Give Dana Bryan come back. Give it the old college try one more time. I mean, it's not ideal, but it is. I, I, a, I still lean towards probably Punk one, uh, Dean Ambrose two. Mm-hmm. Sure, those are the two most exciting. In reality, it's probably going to be. Uh, Jay, because that wraps up a nice clean bow on the bloodline story. <laughs> I will. I don't know what parameters we want to put in this bit, but I'll bet you whatever you want. Jay Uso is not beating Roman Reigns for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. Be fucking cool if he did. Sure. <laughs> if they told the story well, maybe. As of now, the tea leaves are saying that at some point post-WrestleMania, Jay and Roman will fight in a Hell in a Cell, which now that Hell in a Cell is no longer a pay-per-view, those matches can happen anywhere. Uh, But let's assume it's SummerSlam, because that seems logical. Uh, The match would be for the Universal title only. The presumption is Roman would not have the WWE Championship at that point. Now, how the fuck we get there, I have no idea. The only thing that we know is there is a a major draft coming post-WrestleMania that could be as early as uh, the week after WrestleMania. It could be, uh, or it could be as late as right after Backlash. So it's going to be within a month of Mania. There's going to be a big draft. And... This is basically Triple H's way to reset the sandbox. What if we get the draft on the show that we're going to? I was thinking that, but that's the week before or the week leading into backlash. I don't think that would happen. No, but that that makes that does make sense. Wait, did you guys buy tickets to a show and didn't invite me? Is that what happened? I I got tickets for me and two of my kids whose birthdays are in April. That's their birthday presents. Andrew expressed desire to go and so we got a great deal on a a handful of seats and so we just bought those i mean you could go with him andrew's got two i i think the hang up here is 
the, you guys are just missing one step, which was the, hey, do you want to come? You text. literally always say that you don't want to go. What's... At, at the made, time that we bought these tickets, you were like, WWE sucks and I don't want to watch it anymore. And it's, I'm still in the same boat. I mean, <laughs> not much has changed. It's seemingly a random Raw post-WrestleMania. There's generally not a ton of excitement there. It, it is on, it's May 1st, right? That seems like a nice yeah. even date. They would be like, May 1st, the big draft. But it's the, Everything but goes it into is, effect after the pay-per-view. They do that all the fucking And they time. have done that before. They have done that before. That is true. Because they want to get know. the draft out of the way after they've told their stories for the... It's an easy go-home show to do the draft, and mm-hmm. then everybody's already been drafted the, the night after you the show. You start fresh the night after, yeah. So I've got one more... That'd be nuts. Uh, ...returning guy to fight Roman idea. This one's a little mm-hmm. bit more out of the box, and I don't think it's one you would pull the trigger on, but it would be fun to see. Where would you guys pop in the hierarchy of, you know, and I don't know what the baseline is, but like the peak is like when Shane McMahon returned. That's like, so what, on, on, a, on a baseline Shane? of, no, on a baseline of Sammy Guevara to Shana Mac returns, where's your pop wow. level for the ride back coming out to fight Roman? Oh, that is very close to Sammy Guevara. Wow. I would like it. If I was in the building, I would pop hard because of how absurd it is. I feel like there's a way to tell, like, the, you know, Ryback's here to. I'm dumb as bricks. I <laughs> I, I will hurt you for real. <laughs> I, yeah. Look, he's busy selling supplements and shit on on Twitter. Leave him be. Just leave. OK, him be. one more. Chris fucking masters. I would pop for that. That would be phenomenal. I've been pounding the drum on this for a while. I want to see Chris Masters come out to challenge Lashley at some point soon for the oh Hurt Locker. Oh, God. That'd be, that'd be pretty nice. Now, the reports are that uh, Wyatt and Lashley is off for Mania. Hey. Yeah, I've heard that Wyatt might be exiting the company. Have you guys um, not heard this? No, I've heard that it's there's something going on with him. It, it sounds like it's a medical clearance thing. And it's just not going to be cleared in time for Mania, so he's not going anywhere. Yeah, see, I didn't know it was a medical thing. I guess the rumor mill had got going that there was some sort of Mm. backstage. uh... Oh, yeah, no. Uh, Meltzer came out and basically said it's a medical thing. It didn't say what. He said it's a personal thing, whatever, so he's not going to go into it. It could be something as simple as, you know, his blood tests came back and they didn't like how some of his levels were, you know. But it's enough that they're not going to clear him for mania. You know, one more outside the box idea, and this one's going to require a time machine. We go back in time six years. Shinsuke Nakamura comes in to fight Roman Reigns for the (sighs) championship. Man. Okay. Nakamura fresh off the Sami Zayn debut showing up to fight Roman the night after mania would have been. Where's AJ Styles been? He's the been hurt. He? Oh, God. He damn got it. hurt. Yeah, he got hurt right after Rumble. Oh, guys. Fucking Randy Orton. He's going to be back yeah. soon, right? That's He's not, back that's not a deal with the devil, Andrew. No. Uh, could Dude, be if you get fucking Psycho Orton back. Hey, 
Shut the fuck up. Go back to Nakamura. <laughs> Nakamura's not doing anything right now. He's a, he hasn't been on TV. Fucking bring Nakamura back. Give him a fucking new attitude. Make him fucking King of Strong style. And he's there to knock Roman's teeth down his goddamn throat. He doesn't have to beat him. Get Rick Boogs to do the promos again. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, hold on. New idea. Rick Boogs <laughs> comes out. He wrestles a broom for the World Heavyweight Championship. Mm, Who's Boogs not buying it? Boogs a mania, man. I haven't seen him on TV. Is it just because they're too close to WrestleMania that they don't want to give him TV matches right now? I don't. I don't think he was on Raw this week, but he's been having backstage segments and, and stuff with uh, Elias. They're setting up the two of them to have a match, I think. Okay, no, so, so they're just, they're, they don't have space for him for WrestleMania, that's fine. Yeah, I don't the, think a battle so. royal of some kind. Or like the SmackDown before him and him and Elias have a blow-off, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, the dude just came back, like, it's fine. But I fully expect to see Boogs getting a nice, you know what I would love? Boogs and LA Knight. Give me that on the mic. Yeah, be that mage. would be phenomenal. So speaking of not mage, I have heard that the potential first up for Cody Rhodes after Mania is Austin Theory. Which Ew. would be just so terrible. Ew. So WWE, so produced, Ew. so just feminine. <laughs> they like neither one of them do this. have any like edge to them they're both just so gooey his first feud should be gunther like how does no yeah, one gunther see needs this? to beat the living shit out of him for yeah and gunther doesn't have to go over but have gunther beat the shit out of him and make everyone feel like oh no the evil foreigner is, off is about ta- to beat our american hero is it off the table to just have gunther beat roman reigns and then he's the new roman reigns for like a year or so until you figure out a plan like it'd be I mean, believable it. right you do the brock yes. lesnar transfer where it's like tr- Lesnar transferred all of his energy to Roman. It's like, all right, Roman, just mm. transfer this to Gunther, the next big guy, <laughs> until we find someone to finally dethrone the big guy. I disagree with him being the first guy for Cody. While I like it on paper, I don't want Gunther anywhere near the title unless he's going to win it. Which he could, but I don't. I don't think that they should do that. I also, if the Austin Theory thing is right, I believe it because this is what they fucking do when there's a guy that we all actually kind of like. They ruin their title reign as soon as it starts. They did it with Rollins by having him go after Baron fucking Corbin. Then uh, Dean Ambrose had a fucking rivalry with Dolph Ziggler for no reason. They always pull some random mid-card guy to be the first guy in line instead of, hey, brand new champion who's never been champion before. Have him fight some other people who used to be champion. They did it right with Kofi Kingston. He had a whole program over the summer with Randy Orton that made him feel like an established champion. But for some reason, they always do this a lot. Orton's coming back. Have him come back as a heel. Heel Orton versus Cody. That'd be a cool feud for the summer. It's got some story to it. Yeah, it's built in. It's built in story. You need brand new champions need to fight former champions. To establish yes. themselves yes. as really being the guy. If you just fight a bunch of mid-carders, it's like, cool, you got rid of the big dude, and now you're just the king of the mid-card. I've got a different perspective here. And I'm going to take a playbook out of the CM Punk second title reign, the one he won from Jeff Hardy. I think you go the route of 
you get the big moment at Mania with Cody, and then you, as quickly as you can, turn Cody into a mega douche heel by having him work with Sami Zayn. Sami and and Cody and Kevin are all friends, and it's like, here, Sami, I'm going to give you a title shot. You're going to get a fair shake at this thing. And then Cody does something kind of underhanded to win the match. And then it kind of gets a little bit worse the next time, and then he just outright cheats, and then he's a heel. That's what I would do. I mean, I would like that, but I I just let myself not think about those things because he's their guy, so they're not going to turn him, I don't think. So speaking of things we shouldn't be thinking about, are we going to circle into the Hall of Fame now? or? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of our lot in life to do this. We owe it to somebody to do this. Uh, where did we leave off? Do we remember? I know we did 20... We're on 2013. 2013. Oh, boy. Okay. Well. Uh, First up is uh, Bruno San Martino. I think he's an instant yes. There's no arguing that. Uh, Next is Mick Foley, which for me is an instant yes. I agree also. Yeah, no no qualms. Next, we've got Trish Stratus. Again, I think an instant yes. They got a really good class here. Banger Hall of Fame class. Holy shit. Oh, uh, oh just you wait. Yeah. Booker T. Uh, I, not a Hall of yeah. Not a Hall of Fame. I really. think he is. Okay, listen. he's He was a five-time WCW champion. He was the last WCW champion. Okay, I mean, three of those were like bullshit, but... Whatever. He was last WCW champion. He was he was a world heavyweight champion in WWE. Many many times over tag team champion. He is a two time Hall of Famer currently because of the Harlem Heat, which I think is a valid team to have a discussion about. I'm not saying they're an instant in, but I think it's a valid team to discuss. And he's in as himself. Well, I, I think Booker T's in. Plus, Booker T runs Reality of Wrestling uh, down in Houston, where he's trained a lot of people who are currently on TV. Okay, that that's a separate conversation, I think. I think it's the sum of all of that. He, I, here's the thing about Booker T. As much, I, I loved Booker T. The, he didn't really have anything happen in his career that's of any consequence to the story of wrestling and it it sounds harsh when you say it that way but it would be pretty easy to remove him from you know your documentary and it not really impact getting from Lufez to okay if 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 the only criteria is the documentary then i think that's valid and you it's not the only the docu- criteria, but it's a big knock, okay. I think. Sure, uh, sure I get I that. I feel like on think- precedent, Booker T is in because there were people, if we're not going to let Booker T in, then I got to go back and reconsider a bunch of picks. I feel like, like who? Let's let's compare guys. That's how we need to be doing this at this point. Well, I mean, we, we put in Sergeant Slaughter. I feel like Booker T's above him. Uh, the I Sergeant so. Slaughter thing, I always come back to the main event in wrestlemania okay but booker t also had a a world heavyweight championship match at mania yes it's not the main event but it's booker t is right there there with slaughter 
Yeah, I do almost reconsider the slaughter thing. Wasn't Mr. Perfect at that line also? Yes. I was I not feel in favor like, of putting Mr. I, I Perfect I feel like, in. though, I would Booker, kick out... got sl- so many different credentials here. His career just has so much iconic stuff to it. Yeah, I just I don't see how he's not in. I'm I'm sorry. I don't I just don't know what he ever did of consequence. I understand he was WCW champion and he was King Booker for a little bit, feuding with like when they Mark did the Henry, WCW invasion, he was literally the biggest that star is the they one had. thing. But the invasion wasn't good. And his Okay, but the, but his feud with Austin, every to this day, the fucking the match with him in, in Austin in the fucking supermarket clips of that get passed around every other day that, that is like this is the best moment. argument you've made that's the best bad argument bunny you've made. wrote a song about booker t because he's that <laughs> iconic in bad bunny doesn't hold any weight as an arbiter of <laughs> in the hall of fame i'm sorry i i understand that but like he's a sign of the mainstream popularity of booker t i think booker culture. t is the prime example of good not great um and 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 to use a sports analogy here booker t's an all-star but just because you're an all-star doesn't mean you're a hall of famer okay well i don't think I booker think need- t ever had the peak required to be in my hall of fame to be i in mean that look 1%. booker and look i will be honest booker's not a favorite of mine right i i don't think i ever found myself other than in wcw when he was coming up his wwe career i was never a huge fan of his but you can't look at all of his accomplishments on paper and not go yeah this guy should be in the hall of fame i don't i don't see how you don't see but the, it. the problem is with you can't just go off of on paper accomplishments especially when you're talking about the last 20 years because they gave out titles like candy but not um, not the titles, not the top. He never got the title. He was world heavyweight champion. That's when that was the B title. He was also the WCW champion when that was the B show. God damn it! He was just never. He's never been the guy, and so it's hard to put someone in the Hall of Fame that never reached the mountaintop unless you are. You need to be one of the rarest cases to get into the Hall of Fame without having that top guy status at some point. I just feel like with the the where we've established the line, and I'll say this: was, I'm all in favor of booting out Slaughter. I feel like the further we get into this, it's clear to me he's not a Hall of Famer. The line was Slaughter and uh, Ted DiBiase. I think. I think that's what we decided was kind of it, right? Yeah, and I, I think Ted DiBiase's above Slaughter. I would boot out Slaughter. I think, if, and I think it's okay to go back. But I and think like Booker T's above slaughter. I think Booker T's above slaughter. Yeah, but I would even I would argue though that Booker T is below Million Dollar Man, not in terms of accomplishments, but in terms of impact on the I sport. Just, what has Booker T done of consequence in the ring? He beat Chris Benoit in a best of seven on Nitro. I get he had the feud with Austin. It's just. When I watched Booker T in real time, there was never a moment where I was like, this guy's a future Hall of Famer. Like, I never had that feeling watching him. Really? Now, he did hang around a long time. But hanging around a long time, it's not the hall of hanging around a long time. (sighs) Shucky ducky, quack quack. That alone should get him in the Hall of Fame. 
it's just he's a legend. He's a legend. He's just not. Here's the thing. He's not Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's not Hulk Hogan. He's not Macho Man Randy. He's just not at that level. No, of course not. But there's plenty of guys who are in the Hall of Fame that we let in that are not at that level. And if Slaughter's the argument, I'm all in favor of kicking Slaughter out. I'm not I taking don't think Slaughter he's at out the level just of to not put... No, but I do think the further we get into this, the more clear it becomes that Slaughter's not meeting the standards of something. Ah, we already made that decision. We can't pull him out now. I don't know what kind of... We inducted him years ago, Alec. <laughs> <laughs> that was like two weeks ago. Look, let's do the vote, and we'll see what happens. I say yes. No for me, dog. <sighs> it's all on you, pal. Yes. I'm going to I'm going to stick to w- the precedents that we've been setting so far. But I do agree with if we wanted to get stricter, I would take him out. And I would take I, out Slaughter. I would probably make the bottom tier Teddy Biasi because he was the ultimate villain of the 80s and early 90s. Mm. So that that's big enough. I would also take out Mr. Perfect. I want to leave you guys with this. It's not the Hall of Very Good. <sighs> you have a point. If we really want to get that strict, we we can. But then I am going to start backtracking on some picks. I, mm. Well, it is the kind of thing where it's like, yes, we're going through this exercise to kick out like the Drew Carries of the world. But <laughs> there's not going to be a lot of content here if we're not willing to kick out some of the harder ones, you know. Like a Booker T, like a Kurt Hennig. And I think I, I was on me, the other Booker, side of the Kurt Hennig thing, too. To me, Booker T's not a hard one to put in. I just I, I just don't see it. And this is coming from a guy who's not a Booker T fan. I just think but there's going to be more Hall of Fame-worthy guys later. And It's not like Booker we're running out of room. Gonna, well. I He's in for now. We'll see what happens. I'll say um, this. If we're going to put Booker T in, I want to kick out Slaughter. I don't want to kick out Be- Slaughter. Because though. I hate the Slaughter rule being like he's the barometer now for a Hall of Famer. It, it's clear that was a mistake to put him well, in. Okay. Don't you agree? I mean, if we're going to keep using it, it's like, well, Slaughter's in. It's like, well, you're going to put a lot of people but in there. Sla- okay, but if main eventing WrestleMania and being a WWE champion isn't enough to get you in, the fuck does and and that's the again i know we're past the booker t thing now but that is my main argument against booker t is that solder was the champ booker t was never the champ we all know who the champ was when booker t was champ hmm. no it was triple h but no sure. tri- no, when it, when booker t had the world heavyweight championship John Cena. Oh, Cena, Cena was, was on Cena. Raw. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, when when the World Heavyweight Championship was the belt, Booker T couldn't get his hands on it. Remember? That's that. Yes, that's true. And I'm All not right, saying he should. There, there's not but, a whole lot of corrections we need to make, but I'm willing to concede to make this a stricter list and say no to Booker T. Pull out Slaughter and Mister Perfect. <sighs> I'm not a fan. Mister Perfect is, I think above those other two guys wouldn't you guys agree i think perfect is above slaughter i agree but he's still not going to make that cut then if we're going to make it that strict mr perfect to me is the line and that's where you have to you know look inside yourself to figure out 
which side of the line he falls on. So tell me this. What did Perfect do that makes him eligible to be in that Booker T didn't? What separates them? I don't think Perfect's in. A. B. Perfect. Perfect just has more moments. He's got the Intercontinental title match with Bret Hart. Uh, was it at SummerSlam? Um, he's got all the stuff he did with Flair where he was like Flair's manager-ish, a Jace thing. At Perfect just found himself in a lot of the really major storylines throughout wrestling history somehow, even when he wasn't like in ring. Um, I mean, guy was in the... I mean, we're, we can't use the NWO as anything because everybody was in the NWO. But yeah, I, mm. do you kind of see where I'm getting at? Where it's like Perfect just seemed mm. to find himself in the mix a lot. Perfect was also just one of the greatest workers of all time. And that means something. Booker T was not that. Booker T was very good. Okay, so where are we at with this? We're, we're not putting in Booker T. We're taking out Slaughter and we're taking out Perfect. If we want to be strict... Or we can have two holes. I can have the hole in my head, oh, and then we can God, have no. the one where we've got slaughter. And Look, perfect. I think we're stricter than WWE, but I don't think we need to be this strict. I I just I don't see it. I just don't see how Booker T is the line we're drawing here that Booker T's not in. And we're taking I out these other two guys. I come back to the, you can tell the story of professional wrestling without Booker T. <sighs> And I know it's Boy. bullshit. I keep saying it, but it means something. It's a powerful line. All right. Let's. So he's out. Slaughter's out. Although I, <laughs> I guess you can Jesus. tell the story without him. Slaughter is way more difficult than Booger T. I to me, I think you need Slaughter to tell the story. Well, but that is the. Th- that's the minimum, but it's not necessarily. I think you need slaughter you because need. you have to tell the story of Hogan and the Gulf War because that's when Hogan's, that's when Hulkamania started to fade, and that started doing to the downturn of the business going into the nineties. So I think you have to don't misinterpret my line though, which you're doing. If I can tell the story of professional wrestling without you, you're not a Hall of Famer. But just because I need you in to tell the story doesn't mean you are a Hall of Famer. Goddamn. But if does that make sense? But if somebody's not in it at all, then it's an important checkpoint. It's a minimum threshold, but it's not a guarantee either. All right, let's. Uh, I, I want to get through. I want to finish this class. I want to get through at least one more before we wrap it up today. Uh, we got two more for 2013. Uh, Bob Backlund. I think no. Yes, he was a WWF champion, but he was a transitional champion um, before Hogan. And do we know enough about his earlier career? Yeah, he was kind of the early version of Hogan before Hogan in the fact that he was the all-American white meat baby face. And... So you he know, was the guy. He was the guy for a little while in the 70s. That means yeah. something. I mean, how many Bob of the Backlund, guys are not going to no, no, no. be in? Hold on. 
Bob Backlund's title reign was 2,135 days. Yeah, he's got to be in. <laughs> <That's>, All right. <laughs> okay, fine. Back and look, I mean, I think we were getting there, right? As soon as we started fig- talking about he's the guy for any point in time, that it's tough to overlook. Yeah. All right, so he's in. Uh, the next one is the Celebrity Wing. Holy I'm shit. not going to go into any detail on this. I'm just going to say no. Uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah definitely a no i mean we're not putting any it's it's funny though out of all the celebrities he kind of does have a lot he's got he's got the biggest does have more i could make the argument for him right he He did a lot more wrestlemanias he was in the battle of the billionaires thing he did the million dollar Uh, giveaway million dollar giveaway on raw he has commercial free yeah he's done legitimate things that if you were telling the story I, I think you could skip over him. But yeah, but we're not putting any celebrities in. It's right. just the, so the fact of the matter. So Celebrity has to be amazing to get in, and he's not. Um, class of 2014. This one is going to be ups and downs. Uh, Ultimate Warrior, I think, is in. This is tricky, but yeah, he's such an iconic part of his era. You're, you can't tell the story of the 80s without talking about how he came in at the end of the 80s and kind of became the heir apparent after Hogan. When they thought Hogan was going to start stepping away, they brought in Warrior into that spot, and then it didn't work out so good. Then Hogan came back. It not working out the way that you would want it to doesn't, I think, disqualify him because Mm -hmm. wrestling is one giant story, and he still is treated in the story like he was a big foot. He was the guy. Yeah. If you're the guy for any period of time and he main evented WrestleMania, like, yes, you know, one of the biggest WrestleMania main events we've ever had. He's in, Mm -hmm. I I think it's slam dunk in too. Yeah. Um, Carlos Colon promoter, famous promoter down in Puerto Rico. I mean, for putting those guys in, sure. I think that's so. what we've been doing, right? Right. Yeah. It, it's uh, hard to be like, yeah, for sure on these, considering the people we've taken out. But when it comes to this old school history stuff, it's better to be like, we don't. That, yeah. I'm not going to go the thing about- read Jim Cornette's dissertation on the territory <laughs> to find out how fucking important this guy is. Or the mess man's book of wrestling. But I, uh, yeah, and, and that's where I was felt so strongly about the Booker T thing. Is like I watched it in real time and never felt like he was a Hall of Famer. Where it's like Carlos Colon, it's like, yeah, you know, when I was watching him in the 60s, I just wasn't getting Hall of Fame vibes. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. But yeah, I think he's in uh, Jake Roberts. So this is an interesting one. Jake is one of the more smoother technical guys in the ring. Uh his his gimmick and his promos are legendary but he never won the big one first of all he really didn't hold titles all that much because he was more of an attraction than anything but i don't know i if, if we're not putting in perfect and we're not putting in slaughter I don't know that Jake Roberts gets in. So where's his case? I guess his case would be that he changed the way wrestling promos Promos. work. 
Yes. Well, and he he was instrumental in in the transition to the smaller guy, slightly smaller guys, and the more technical wrestling that perfect and Bret Hart and so on. Yeah, but did. he wasn't a trailblazer in that. Front, no, no, no. I mean. There was a little of it. He, he was like the. If, if Perfect's not in on that, it's not a selling point for him. Sure, yeah, think. he's not in for it. It would have to be the promos. And to me, <sighs> did yes, he promos change are legendary. the game enough on the promo front? So, like, let's go back to another promo guy, Roddy Piper, who's in. Roddy Piper, I think Roddy Piper changed the game. Yeah. Definitely changed the game on promos. I think Jake added more layers to the game for promos, but oof, I don't know. Based on our current scale, uh, I'm going to say no. I'm a big Jake Roberts guy, but I don't think that he fits the mold now. He's not now, a one percenter. I agree. You, I now, I'm okay, I'm going to, I might nuclear bomb this. If you're going to tell the story of professional wrestling, you're obviously going to talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin. You're going to talk about the Austin 316 promo, which was cut on Jake Roberts because of Jake's Bible thumping gimmick he was doing at the time. That's why that promo was the John Sig 316, Austin 316 thing. I think we've established previously that that doesn't, being adjacent to history does not give you the past. Okay. I'm just yeah, throwing it out there. Are we the there. fucking Supreme Court now, by the way? I feel like we're just referencing like different presidents that have been <laughs> Previous said, cases like, and yeah. shit. Well, we have, to, we have to be consistent, if nothing else. It's true, yes. And, and to Andrew's point, those kinds of things, they're you know, it's they're important thresholds, but they don't give you the right to be a Hall of Famer. Either. You need more of those things, and he doesn't have more of those things. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on. Paul Bearer. Yes. What makes a Hall of Fame manager? Yeah. This is the one I struggle with the most, is Hall of Fame managers. So, to me, it's, it's one of... There's two, I think, big criteria. Number one is having a lot of guys under your umbrella who made you kind of omnipresent on the show. So that that's like a Bobby Heenan. Uh, Bobby Heenan had other things too, but I think that's one of the things that Jimmy Hart, Bobby Heenan have going for them is they have all the guys under their little family. The other is if you are managing somebody who's so iconic, so legendary for a long period of time, like a Paul Ellering with the LOD, I think that gets you in. Right, if but we wouldn't have put Paul Ellering in. That's why we had to combine them. We put him in as part of the. Okay, we put him in as part of the package. But here's the deal: if you're talking about the Undertaker, and you're looking at the early years of the Undertaker, your Paul Bearer's right there the whole time. With the introduction of Kane, Paul Bearer's there. The introduction of Mankind, Paul Bearer's there. Being there isn't being adjacent isn't enough. Here's the other thing about Paul Bear. You know, I love The Undertaker. I I, I don't even know why I said it that way. Everybody loves The Undertaker. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> if Bruce Pritchard was willing to travel, we wouldn't even be talking about Paul Bear right now, right? Bruce Pritchard would have been his manager. <laughs> okay. He just didn't want to like, doesn't... go go on the road for okay, that. Sure, but he wasn't going to say this though in terms of managers. Paul Bearer is was incredibly popular 
legendary. He managed Kane, Mankind, The Undertaker, all three iconic. We haven't established for Kane, but I know Undertaker's going get, to get to stay in. Mick Foley just got put in. These are all Hall of Famers that he managed. Yeah, and I, I think he he's, did he's... actually service those characters during his time with them. It wasn't just that he was adjacent to them. Right. He helped them get over. He yes. really and... did make a huge impact on Hall of Fame careers. Mm-hmm. Put two, at least two, potentially three of them. Also, when he was Percy Pringle in Texas before he got to WWF, he managed a lot of up and coming guys and helped out with the beginnings of their careers, such as Stone Cold Steve Austin. So, yes, was he was he a majorly in, instrumental part of Austin's career? Maybe not, but was he a part of it in the beginning and and giving him advice and and helping lead him? Not like kayfabe, but in real life, yes. So, I to me, he's in. You in terms of manage if you I'm separate in. managers, yeah, if you separate managers, he's absolutely one percent club for managers. Yeah, he's got to okay. be in like the top ten, if I not agree. one of the mountain. And then even players. you know, coming back to like Booker T, who we were talking about earlier, it's like Paul Bearer is way more iconic. He is one of the most iconic characters in wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I would put him up there next to Jimmy Hart and Bobby Heenan in terms of managers. And that's what we're doing by putting him in the Hall of Fame. So that's why I wanted to at least make sure we talked it through before pulling the trigger, because it is rare air. I agree. So uh, Matt is indisposed at the moment, so I'm going to help <laughs> us move on to the next person. Uh, we are going to talk about Lita, which I, I think is... Uh, yes if we separate it into the category for women the standards are just so different for her era she really did stand out and is an iconic that's a good point we can't hold her to the standards of today that's not how this thing works right you got to evolve you got to put people in the context of their time right so in the context of her time lita is the one percent for sure yeah, we put in Trish Stratus yeah. without even discussing it because of what we're probably going to say with Lita, which is how she she was a trailblazer in her time. She was one of the only people that could actually wrestle in her time. Yes. And and showed that women can do it. The fact that her and Lita, Trish Stratus and Lita, main evented Raw in what was that, 2006 that they did that match? 2005? Yeah. That just is unprecedented and then didn't happen again for a decade. It says a lot about where they were at in that time. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a it's a really a no-brainer. Um so next one, speaking of no-brainers, uh Scott Hall. Fucking yes. Yes, and I do want to call out that he is one of the only non-heavyweight champions that's going to get into my Hall of Fame. Yes. Because if he you're is the story so consequential to th- Yes. Yes, absolutely. NWO, the ladder match. He is one of those guys who major. Exactly. Mm -hmm. He's one of the few guys who actually changed the business. And so that's where I think our head needs to be at with some of these people that we're considering is like Scott Hall's a great illustration of how you actually like change the game. It's actually unbelievable. He never won the world title, not even a WCW. Completely insane. They never yeah, just gave him, there's gave one of those 
there's like an interview out there where he talks about how he asked Vince, it wasn't necessarily about the heavyweight championship, but it's like, what do I need to do to be at the level of these other top guys? And Vince was like, no, you're doing great. And it was kind of like, uh, <laughs> there's nothing he could do to move up, which is like sad. Scott Hall is, yeah, especially, you know, before he had his issues later on in his careers. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's the greatest to never win the world championship. I'm going to put him above Kurt Hennig. I think so. Um, Well, I mean, Piper never won the world title. I think I put Scott Hall. Did he ever win the title in WCW? No. I think I put Scott Hall above Piper. Yeah, Scott is a... He was such a great worker. And it's... I don't know. He was a great I think worker. it's easy to lose that context in today's times, but at during in his day, he was one of the top workers. And he had a fantastic mind for the business. Like if we could have had him longer, he was the last few years, he was such a contributor um, doing, you know, things for NXT and, and talking to those guys. And that's where I was going to go. Look at Damian Priest. NXT could have been Damian Priest. Wears the blood thing to, to honor him. Uh, what's her name? Britt Baker does the same thing because they were influenced by him. Um, all right, one more for 2014. This is the uh, Celebrity Wing. This one may be in uh, Mr. T. So, okay. We don't put celebrities in, I, damn it. So here's the deal. I'm, I'm going to make the case for him. I'm not saying I think he should be. I'm just going to make the case. He may have invented the first WrestleMania tag teaming with Hulk fucking Hogan. He was a big part of the rock and wrestling stuff early on. Uh, it, and he was a major part of building WrestleMania one. And as we all know, historically WrestleMania one had to succeed where the company was done basically because they mortgaged the house. They mortgaged, they mortgaged everything on the hopes that WrestleMania one would be a success. And he was a big part of that push. Mr. T Hogan and Mr. Mr. T being involved with Hogan helped get mainstream notoriety at the time, like getting them on Saturday, Saturday night live together was on the back of Mr. T. So I think we have to look at that. Yes. It's a, it's not like a career's worth of events. It was a singular time and thing that occurred, but it's pretty fucking big. Also, WrestleMania 2, he was one of the main events. That's, yeah. So, I think something we need to consider about Mr. T in the negative column is one of the all-time worst Hall of Fame acceptance speeches ever. And by virtue of that, it's like the proof is in the pudding. You shouldn't have put him in the Hall of Fame. We would have avoided that disaster. So, I mean, tongue-in-cheek, but... Celebrities don't belong in the Hall of Fame. And that's He's fine. the closest you're going to get, but it's, yeah, I don't think. Yeah. You're and I'm fine with that. Me. I just, somebody had to make the case. He's honestly more of a Hall of Famer than uh, some of the people we kind of considered earlier. Oh, that's, honestly. that's true. He even beats out Tyson in terms of the celebrity because yeah. of how much more he contributed at the time. But. I still don't think that celebrities should be put into this. Uh, we want to go one more round or are we uh, calling it a day? 
if we go quick, this next class is kind of big. Oh, uh, but if we want to do it quick, there are there's plenty of there's easy plenty of instant no's. In okay, uh, first one, Macho Man Randy Savage, fucking yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Larry Zabisco, no. Yeah. Really? Whoa. Really? The living legend. Okay. Do you know why? I, mean, he, I guess he, being that, a legend is no. Uh, it's uh, there's no. I did. Here's the thing. To me, he's in the old timer club, so it's hard for me to say. He's not <sighs> I a feel like famer. he's just past the old timer club. Like he was. He Dang. happened at the end of the old timers club. Would you consider him a hall of fame commentator? I think he was a better commentator than King in terms of like color guys. Zabisco, look, Zabisco, we were WCW kids, so oh, yeah. yeah, Zabisco was a big. Let's leave him in. He I, let's leave him in under the old timers <laughs> clause, and also because his commentary was the fucking great. Clause. <laughs> um. All right, Tatsumi Fujinami. I, fuck if i know even even when they put him in the wwe <laughs> one everybody was like what why it's because he had like a match he, with rick flair one time like that was it he does have an absurd amount of new japan credentials sure but Fine, we're not just leave him in we're not old timer rule okay but we're not shit. the we're not covering japanese wrestling now yes we did put enoki in but enoki had crossover stuff with the u.s Fuji- well, no, this is the Professional Wrestling Hall of Famer, okay. is it not? I, I guess. I mean, Andrew just posted a list of his accomplishments. This it's is quite just literally like Japan. a dozen world championships. Okay, fine. Fujinami. This, it, this isn't even talking about WWE. Okay, this Fuji- is just his New Japan. All right, Fujinami's in. Uh, Kevin Nash in. Yeah. Yeah. Big Kev. Uh, speaking of big, Rikishi. No. I think no. He's a memorable character, but he, to me, he's not even close to a Hall of Famer. He's legendary. He's a legend. No. He's iconic. But he's iconic. I don't. Think I actually he's don't legendary. think he's legendary either. Okay, he's, he's iconic. iconic. Just okay. iconic. Uh, the Bushwhackers. No. No. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they. I hate to say it. They are legendary. At least I think they are for for all the wrong reasons, in <laughs> my opinion. But clearly there were people that were really big fans of that when they were little. Uh, But they're definitely not a Hall of Fame tag team. They did not trailblaze anything. No. Uh, Speaking of Blaze, Alundra Blaze. I, this one's tough because she carried the division post uh, Wendy Richter and post uh, Moolah. Right, it was. She's the one percent of her time. She right? was. She absolutely because was. she was so, the only woman on the roster. It was like her and Bull Nakano. She's the last women's champion until they brought the title back. Yeah, I think she's in. I think you have to put her in. You can only grade these people against the context the of their time. Yeah, right. Yeah. The, the and then the dropping the the title in the trash on WCW huge. TV had a huge impact on the Monday Night Wars. It didn't amount to much for her. But in terms of what it was doing the screw politically job. The in the, screw in job the, was a direct result of what she did. Exactly. The politics of wrestling shifted around that action. Mm-hmm. So she's in. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and the last one is the uh, celebrity, which is Schwarzenegger, which no. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> well, I thought Andrew said this was a big class. That was pretty simple. 
we really breezed through it a lot quicker than I thought. Oh, it's easy. A lot, it felt no like there was a lot more names on this list than the last one, but maybe it's just that the HTML on this page I'm looking at has the height of these rows way too fucking big for no reason. But there was just a lot of easy yeses, easy noes, I think is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty excited when we get a little bit further next. Well, I don't know if we're going to get to them next week, but uh, there's a lot of noes coming up for me, dog. Once we get to 2016, 2017. Is anybody keeping track of our Hall of Fame? No. Oh my no. god. Yeah, we fucked up. Somebody's gonna have to go back we and lift. Writing yeah, I would challenge one of our listeners to uh, e- compile the definitive list, but, you know, it's not your job either, but if you want to. I looked at some analytics uh, earlier. We had 62 people listen last week. So, like, one of y'all fuckers could have written shit down. So next week we are obviously getting into WrestleMania. Uh, so preview for next week, we are going to go down the card as much as there is. Cause right now, like we're a week and a half out and we don't know half the cards still. Like there's a lot of matches we know, but there's a few that we don't. Uh, so next week we are going to do our best to go down the card, give our predictions um and we'll kind of see how that plays out um speaking of playing us out make sure you follow us and rate us on whatever podcast listening platform you use email us at such good shit pal at gmail.com follow us on twitter and facebook such good shit pod and then uh to play us out do y'all guys have anything Apologies to Booker T. God damn it. We could have just left him in.